Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Buy now, pay later can work really well for lots of people. And, you know, it can be a great way for you to purchase something and spread those payments affordably. So we're not, you know, against this type of technology. I think what our worry is, is that it's it's unregulated, unlike other types of credit. Often there's kind of sparse information on how each buy now, pay later provider differs in terms of repayments, late fees and credit checks. So it can be quite a confusing and overwhelming experience. When you use a credit product like Buy Now, Pay Later, it's not like the other credit products you're used to using. You are abdicating some of your really key consumer rights. In today's episode, along with witch experts Katie Alpin and Gareth Shaw, we'll be deep diving into the consumer credit that's been surging in the UK. Buy now, pay later. We'll be looking into why it's become so popular and lifting the lid on its darker side, how things can go wrong and the risks that come with all of this unregulated lending. Plus, we've got loads of advice on how to manage buy now, pay later services correctly and the things you should know before you commit. We are witch. Buy now, pay later. It's an age-old concept. Instead of paying for something in full at the checkout, you repay the cost over a few weeks or months. It might bring to mind store cards, catalogues or credit cards, which all offer a form of buying now and paying later. But in recent years, a new wave of firms have become household names. Gareth, what does buy now, pay later mean in 2022? It is a frictionless, very simple way to spread the cost of buying stuff online, usually over quite a short period, maybe 30 days, maybe eight weeks, maybe three months. No interest to pay. Simply pay off what you're buying online in chunks. And you're absolutely right, Lucia. This sector has grown enormously over the last few years. Uh, Around 17 million people have used buy now, pay later schemes, the kind of new wave of buy now, pay later schemes. Klarna is uh, it's a Swedish firm. It's a, a global buy now, pay later provider. It has 15 million customers in the UK, mm-hmm. um, by far the biggest. And you'll see now that these types of schemes are a really common part of your online retail experience. When you go to checkout, you get your credit card or your debit card symbol. You might get a PayPal symbol. And now, more often than not, you'll get a Klarna, a Clearpay, a Layby uh, symbol as well that Mm. allows you to spread the cost of your 
repayments. I'll talk a little bit more about the detail of this. What they effectively are, are payment deferral schemes. You end up paying the buy now, pay later provider. The buy now, pay later provider pays the retailer. And and what you're doing is you're setting up a continuous payment authority with the 16 digit number on your debit or credit card and promising to pay the buy now, pay later scheme over the period that you've agreed. You get charged no interest and you may not even get a credit check. So some like ClearPay don't check your credit history at all. Others like Klarna will do a soft credit check. So they'll look at basic details of your credit report, you know, a, a, a quick look at your financial history, but nothing very deep. This doesn't leave a permanent record on your um, credit history either. It's not something that other lenders can see. And then there are other providers in there that will do a hard credit check on you. They will um, ha have a deep look at your repayment history, your financial relationships to assess your affordability. And there will be a record of that search on your credit history that other lenders can see. So depending on the scheme, using Buy Now, Pay Later, spreading the cost of, you know, a bunch of clothes or an electrical item that could have a long term impact on your credit history. But I would say people see the real value in buy now, pay later. And Katie's going to talk about people's experiences with it. And it is it, it, it's easy to see in a, an increasingly online world where we're doing more and more of our shopping in ways that mean that we can't taste, touch, smell, try on the items that we're buying. It's actually quite handy. The principle is quite handy. You want to buy some new clothes. You spend £500 knowing that you've got to try on three or four items and send them back, but you don't have to pay anything until the 30 days are up. That's really handy. But of course, there are risks. So used in the right way, buy now, pay later schemes can be extremely beneficial as they do offer such a quick and easy way to access credit. But while it might be convenient, it's ultimately a form of credit and, and with credit comes a degree of risk. And this has been a cause for concern for us at which for quite some time now and just this week we published a mammoth piece of research looking into buy now, pay later products and how shoppers use them. Katie, can you talk us through why we conducted this research and how we went about it. So although buy now pay later products have been around in, in other forms for a long time the sorts of products Gareth was just telling us about are quite new. They've come around in the last couple of years and because mm. of that there's just lots that we don't know. So we had lots of ideas about where consumers might be facing risk but as we're having a conversation about regulation, we needed some evidence to help us understand what types of regulation might be needed to keep consumers safe from harm in this market. So we started with three big questions. Who uses Buy Now, Pay Later? Why do they use it? And how do they use these products? To answer those, we started earlier in the year with a giant survey, talking to 15,000 people and then undertaking detailed statistical analysis of the results to help us understand who it is that's using Buy Now, Pay Later products. Then over the last few months, we've been doing in-depth interviews with 30 buy now, pay later users, those who are typical according to what we found from our statistical analysis. In those interviews, we spent between 45 minutes and an hour talking to people using a really wide range of questions about how they use buy now, pay later, why they use these products and when they tend to use it. 
And that gives us some really rich information, which has helped us understand why these products are so very popular and also helped us to identify some of the risks that people can encounter while using them. And we're using that to inform our calls for regulation. So can we discuss some of our findings then, starting with who's using it and how they're using it? Because over the last couple of years, it's often been talked of as a reserve for younger people and fast fashion shoppers. Now, I dug out this article for today's show and in it, the FT writes, you may not have heard of buy now, pay later, but if you have teenage or young adult children, they certainly will have. But Katie, it's quite a different picture now, isn't it? So our research does show that younger people are more likely to have used buy now, pay later products. But all things being equal, we also found that people are more likely to use buy now, pay later if they have dependent children at home or if they have a higher income. And we also find that people are more likely to use buy now, pay later if they've defaulted on on another bill or missed a credit repayment in the last 12 months or if they've experienced a life event. Now, that could be something positive, like getting married or moving house or having a baby. But it could also be something negative, like a a bereavement or splitting up with your partner. And this worries us because although it shows that buy now, pay later users are more likely to be affluent, it also suggests that people are more likely to be using these products at times when they're under some sort of financial strain. I guess the one thing all those life events have in common is that they tend to be expensive. And that goes two ways. It tells us that these products might be really valuable to people if they're using them at times when they're really needed. Mm. But it also suggests there's a possibility of harm if people are borrowing more than they can afford when times are tight. And given these products are unregulated, that was really a, a reason for us to ask more questions. What our interview showed is that both those things are true. Most of the people we spoke to loved buy now pay later products i have never heard in all my years of research people being so evangelical (laughs) about credit products Um, (laughs) these people find them as a really useful budget management tool but we also saw some instances where people were borrowing more than they could afford using buy now pay later to buy essentials in some cases you know food school uniforms things like that and were struggling to make repayments on time And we also found that many people simply didn't understand the product very well and that the ways people think about buy now, pay later mean it's really hard for them to meaningfully work out if they can afford what they're borrowing. And all of those things are creating risks for consumers using those products. And one of the key takeaways from our report is that many don't think of buy now, pay later as debit or credit. Let's first hear from which journalist Hannah Downs on this, as she says much of the problem lies in the way buy now, pay later schemes are advertised. You've probably noticed that a lot of online retailers now offer um, more than one buy now, pay later scheme at the checkout. When you kind of get to the checkout, when you're shopping online, you don't just have to decide whether to pay now or pay later. You then also have to decide which pay later scheme to go with. Often there's kind of sparse information on how each buy now, pay later provider um, differs in terms of repayments, late fees and credit checks. So it can be quite a confusing and overwhelming experience. Our investigation earlier this year found that retailers are really bombarding customers with buy now, pay later ads on the homepage, on product listings, uh, all the way through to the checkout. We've also kind of seen it with email marketing. So some online retailers have actually been incentivizing people to use these schemes by offering free delivery for buy now, pay later customers. So you kind of can't get away from it when you're shopping online. It's really pushed in your face. You know, we, we kind of think that the key information isn't there to, to help you make an informed decision. 
It's interesting Hannah mentions delivery incentives there as I was completely sucked into using the buy now pay later scheme in the run up to Christmas in this way just to get free delivery. But the incentive itself isn't necessarily an issue as many credit products offer incentives. As Hannah says, it's really all in the way buy now pay later is packaged and without doing the research before committing to what seems like quite a casual exchange, you are opening yourself to risk. But before we talk about this, Gareth, How should consumers learn more? Before using any buy now, pay later scheme, what kinds of things do you need to know? I think the critical thing here for anybody using buy now, pay later is to recognise and understand that they're taking on debt. They owe somebody money and they're going to have to repay that money. It is another expense, a committed expense that you have during the month. And you really need to think, can I afford to repay this? And and clearly from what Katie was describing just now about the research, people don't view this as a debt product. Mm. Now, the buy now, pay later schemes often argue that they're not like big bad credit cards in that they won't send bailiffs chasing after you if you miss a payment, that they have a quite soft and gentle way of getting people out of arrears. But there are consequences to missing these payments. The other thing here is that not all buy now, pay later schemes are built the same. I was saying earlier, some of them don't have a look at your credit report at all. Some of them take a quick look, but it doesn't leave a permanent mark. Others do, and they will record your repayments on there. Now, in some of our previous research, some that Hannah has carried out, you know, we were looking at the retailers that are offering buy now, pay later schemes. Some of them have six different buy now, pay later schemes at checkout. And they're not offering you an in-depth comparison of all of the different terms of those Mm. when you get to make a choice. How on earth are you supposed to know which one is right for you? Which one is going to have a future impact on your credit history? Your ability to borrow in the future might affect a mortgage application, for example, when you just want to buy a pair of trainers and spread the cost over six or eight weeks, you know, and that, that is really, really challenging. So Gareth, how are we supposed to know? What kind of research should we be doing and where should we be looking? Well, much like any other financial product, if you go and buy a a car or home insurance policy, you'd hope that you've had a look at what that policy will cover and, and what the terms are. We know many people don't read the terms and conditions. They're often as long as Hamlet. Mm. But I mean, that that it's simple, but really important advice find out exactly what you're getting stuck into here. I mean, we have just published, this is hot off the press, just published um, an advice guide to buy now, pay later schemes. And we've done a a pretty detailed breakdown of the main ones out there in a ready reckoner table that you can compare the different schemes about how they operate, you know, the terms of checking affordability, whether they have late payment fees. I think that would be useful as well, particularly if you're using retailers that use multiple buy now, pay later schemes. I want to talk about your rights as well. And I think that's a really important thing to understand. These products aren't regulated. We'll talk about this a bit later on. But that precludes you from getting access to some pretty key consumer rights that you do have with regulated credit products. So if you have a dispute with your buy now, pay later scheme, you have to go through that buy now, pay later schemes dispute resolution service And if you're unhappy with the outcome there, there's no further for you to go. 
because you don't have access to the financial ombudsman service as this product is unregulated. With a regulated product, such as a credit card, if you're unhappy with the outcome of a complaint, then you can escalate that complaint to the financial ombudsman. That's a an independent body that mediates disputes between consumers and, and regulated firms. It's an absolutely critical consumer right for you. And when you're dealing with financial products, it's the ultimate safety net for people who have gone as far as they can with a firm that they're not happy with. The other thing here is about your payment protection rights. When you pay by credit card, or when you pay by debit card, there's a chance if you get into a dispute with a retailer, if the goods aren't as described or they're damaged and you, you reach a stalemate with them to try and get your money back, you could go to your bank, your debit card issuer and say, could you issue a chargeback? It's a voluntary scheme, but most of the banks operate it to try and get my money back. I'm, I'm in dispute and I can't get my money back. With your credit card, you've got your rights enshrined by law. Section 75 of the Consumer Rights Act is one of the most powerful consumer rights you have. It makes the credit card provider jointly liable with the retailer if anything goes wrong. So if you don't get your item, if it goes missing, if, if it's broken or faulty, you can go to your credit card company and get your money back from them. When you use Buy Now, Pay Later, you don't get access to Section 75, even if your credit card is the one making those installment payments, because the Buy Now, Pay Later scheme is breaking the link between the credit card provider and the service provider or the retailer. And so Section 75 doesn't apply to you. And, and it used to be a bit of an esoteric issue, so Section 75. But during the pandemic, when people were having to claim on their credit card for you know, cancelled holidays, cancelled events, it's, be, it's been thrust back into the spotlight. And so you need to be aware that when you use a credit product like Buy Now, Pay Later, it's not like the other credit products you're used to using. You are uh, abdicating some of your really key consumer rights. And in addition to the rights you don't currently have using buy now, pay later, if these schemes aren't understood fully or managed correctly, what are the things that can go wrong? What are some of the risks we identified in the report, Katie? So one of the things is that the way these products are presented at checkout alongside debit cards and things like PayPal means it looks just like a way to pay. There's little to tell you there that you are taking out a credit product. And then, of course, the process itself is so fast. It doesn't feel the same, people were telling us, as it feels like mm. taking a credit card out where you know you go through a credit check process and there's some forms and boxes to tick and, you know, it takes a lot longer. So that speed seems to be leading to this lack of understanding. And that's meaning that in some cases, people simply don't realise that by using these products, they are borrowing money. That can mean that people are then surprised later on by late payment fees and even debt collection activity if they don't make repayments. Some of the people that we spoke to in the research didn't know that there were late fees attached to these products and very few had read the terms and conditions. That could also have a, a longer lasting impact on people's lives as well. If they miss payments and that then impacts on their credit records, it could affect their ability to borrow later on. Another thing we found in the research was that it's really difficult for people to understand if their borrowing was really affordable or not. And that creates a real risk that people might end up struggling to repay what they owe and running into those problems and missed payments. Now, this isn't new or really just limited to buy now, pay later. It's difficult for all of us to understand what we can afford. And psychological research shows that it's because we really struggle to accurately estimate the likelihood that things might go wrong in future. 
we're all heroes of our own story, right? And we all think we're going to be able to overcome the challenges that come our way. So we're not very good at estimating accurately whether we might lose our job or have to pay an enormous say repair bill for our car something quite unexpected that leaves us in more financially challenging circumstances we also tend to focus on the smaller sum of that weekly or fortnightly or monthly repayment rather than the overall amount that we're borrowing with most other types of lending the challenges there around consumers understanding of the lending and, and how likely they are to be able to afford it are managed through regulation, by the fact that credit providers are required to undertake an affordability assessment before they lend you money. But at the moment, because buy now, pay later providers aren't regulated, they don't have to do that. That's one of the key risks here, and it's one of the reasons why we're urgently calling for the sector to be regulated. We are which. Now, the fact that buy now, pay later is so popular, yet all its lending is currently unregulated, does ring alarm bells. And Richard Lane from Step Change says the debt charity is concerned about this lack of protection for buy now, pay later customers. I think it's really important to say, firstly, that buy now, pay later can work really well for lots of people. And, you know, it can be a great way for you to purchase something and spread those payments affordably. So we're not you know, against this type of technology. I think what our worry is, is that it's, it's unregulated, unlike other types of credit. So other forms of credit, your credit card or, or whatever it might be, are regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And that's not the case with buy now, pay later, which means that it's not uh, offering the same types of consumer protection. And it's great that the FCA has said it is looking to regulate. We're really, really um, keen on that. And I think that's a very good thing. But we are seeing some people turn to us with buy now, pay later debts, because often people take out credit and they don't uh, necessarily anticipate that just because they can afford it this month doesn't mean that they will be able to next month or the month after and that things can go wrong and that you occasionally, uh, when things do go wrong, you're not able to meet your credit commitments the, the, the month afterwards. And so it's really important when people are taking out credit that they do take the time to understand what they're committing themselves to. And with the ease of access to buy now, pay later, we're concerned that that's not always happening. Gareth, if buy now, pay later was regulated, what kind of protection would that bring? And how close are we to this being a reality? Well, I think firstly, there would be oversight of the market and analyses of the processes and practices of these firms, how they treat their customers, who their customers are, um, all of the things that the Financial Conduct Authority, that is the uh, watchdog that oversees financial firms, does across a whole range of sectors. The regulator would have a clear view of who they're, se- who they're selling their products to, how they're interacting with it, arrears. And then, then also we would get a view, you know, organisations like us. Um, so I think that's really critical. Oversight of the market by a, a, a well-established um, regulator. And with that uh, regulation, I'll start, this is quite negative and, I, and please don't take this as this needs to happen. But where a regulated firm steps out of line, breaches the regulations, doesn't treat their customers fairly, there are consequences for them. You know, there are financial penalties for firms that don't treat their customers fairly. And I am categorically not saying that, you know, 
any or all of the buy now, pay later schemes are due to be fined because none of them are regulated at the moment for for the payment deferral element of what they offer. Um, but but that is part of the regulatory regime, which I think, you know, is an important stick to keep make sure that uh, financial firms treat their customers well and have appropriate processes. But regulation could also force buy now, pay later schemes to operate in different ways. You know, the regulator could mandate, for example, and we think this is really important, that an affordability assessment has to be carried out every time somebody wants to use one of these schemes. It could leave the buy now, pay later schemes to decide what kind of affordability assessment they want to do, as they do with credit cards at the moment. There's no mandate on how that needs to be carried out. It's down to the product provider to decide how much information they want to gather before they decide to lend money to somebody. But mandating an affordability assessment is one way to ensure that these products don't end up in the hands of people who are in severe financial distress or simply can't afford to repay them. It can also mandate that information has to be provided upfront to people at the point of purchase. If we've applied, if you've ever applied for a credit card, you'll know that there's an awful lot of information that's given to you before your apps application is submitted. We don't always read it, but it is there explaining in detail what the terms are. There needs to be a way that that happens with buy now, pay later. It needs to be proportionate. You know, buy now, pay later is a different product. The attraction of it and, you know, the utility of it is that it removes the friction in spreading your payments. And I don't think the regulator would want to get in the way of innovation. It wouldn't want to stick it down so that people are put off using something that could be quite useful for them. But certainly there does need to be a mechanism that ensures that people are getting information up front and they're absolutely clear what the consequences are of entering into a scheme like this. And as I was saying before, once a firm is regulated, that entitles them to more powerful consumer rights. They would be able to access the financial ombudsman service, for example. That is a really powerful consumer right. As you can tell, the passion in my voice, it's really important that consumers have access to a, 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 an independent mediator when it comes to disputes. Um, and that's something that they would have when buy now, pay later schemes are regulated. And let's hear from a provider now. We've also been speaking with the head of Klarna in the UK, Alex Marsh, to find out what the buy now, pay later firm would like regulation to look like. We've been calling for regulation you know, for well over a year now since the Willard review in the autumn of 2020 and really pleased to see that the Treasury are recommending stronger protections for BNPL uh, users or consumers. Um, I think from in terms of what does that regulation look like, that's really ensuring that there are high standards and there are protections consistently in place for consumers across all providers. You know, From a Klarna side, we've made uh, a number of proactive changes and improvements to offer ahead of regulation. I think ensuring that, for example, consumers have the right to refer their complaint to the financial ombudsman or they have Section 75 bias protection, you know, it's really important. And I think we see, yeah, we see regulation as an opportunity to to have, you know, ultimately better outcomes for consumers across all providers. We'd agree with a number of the key points uh, that which are calling for um, and the sentiment that providers shouldn't wait for regulation from the Treasury or the FCA before addressing these, you know, a few key areas that I would call out, you know, where we're fully aligned would be ensuring that there is absolute transparency 
uh, both in the marketing and the checkout, that these products are credit, that there's consequences of mispayments. So I think we're fully aligned there. And that's where we have already proactively taken steps. The area around affordability and, and credit worthiness assessments. And then lastly, the protection side, again, agree with, you know, which in terms of ensuring that customers do have the right to refer, for example, to the financial ombudsman and that they do have bias protection through 70, section 75. And interestingly, Alice Tapper, a campaigner who launched the hashtag regulate buy now pay later campaign, says all this talk about regulation has already started doing some good. I think to the industry's credit, I've seen things kind of become maybe more responsible over um, the last year or so. Uh, I think cynically, that's probably a response to the calls for regulation and so on. Um, But also, I think initially, when, when I first launched the campaign, retailers were being tasked with, you know, responsibly promoting a credit product, which is not something that they had any experience in, nor should they really be doing that. Whereas I think things have evolved and there's an awareness now around how to do that responsibly. That being said, there's there's certainly some promotions out there that I've seen fairly recently that are quite questionable. So I don't think it's by any means perfect. Now, many people in our report were really surprised to hear buy now, pay later schemes aren't regulated. One participant said, it's quite scary to hear, but it makes complete sense because I wasn't checked out. With my mortgage and credit card, there was a process and I had to prove what I could afford. It's been a bit unsettling to hear it out loud. And interestingly, on this point around mortgages and credit, there is an additional concern that using buy now, pay later platforms could impact your application, as Hannah Downs explains. We've started to see how buy now, pay later could affect other types of credit borrowing. Uh, So we recently looked into mortgage applications and how buy now, pay later schemes might um, affect the process of of applying for a mortgage. And we found that four lenders do ask specifically for information on buy now, pay later repayments. But quite a few others didn't include this on their online forms. There's quite a lot of inconsistency between providers at the moment. And it's, it's not really clear how buy now, pay later arrangements could slow down your mortgage application process. Gareth, to add to Hannah's point, what's the advice here? If you know you might be taking out a mortgage or other credit application in the near future, would you recommend avoiding buy now, pay later in the meantime? We've actually gone out and asked mortgage lenders how they're uh, assessing buy now, pay later schemes as part of people's expenses, whether or not a buy now, pay later repayment is a red flag or uh, perhaps a reason why they might not want to consider um, lending to somebody. By and large, lenders are taking quite a pragmatic approach to buy now, pay later. They see buy now, pay later generally as part of people's ongoing expenses. They may want to query it to see how long the repayments are going to last. That might be something that you need to be prepared to do. They'll also be looking at your credit history as well. And this is why understanding how the individual schemes operate is really important. The general advice is if you're going to be applying for a mortgage, Avoid making credit applications in the three to six months prior to your mortgage application. 
your your lender wants to see stability in your borrowing. So if you've made recent credit applications, that might set off alarm bells for them. But if you, you, you use a buy now, pay later scheme, seemingly for something innocuous that does a hard credit check on your credit report, that could have a devastating effect on your ability to borrow. Not because it's a buy now, pay later scheme, but because you've made a credit application for you know some clothing or something that's really not as important as buying a property. I don't think if you've got payments going out to a buy now, pay later scheme in your bank accounts, that's going to be a red flag for a mortgage lender. But you need to be very careful and prioritize, is it this thing I want to buy on an online shopping website or is it this property I want to buy? And if it if it's the latter, then maybe with all of your other spending, be controlled in the run up to buying your property. That said, we know from previous research that, that Katie and her team have conducted that people who have just bought a property or experienced a life event are a third more likely to then go on and use buy now, pay later. So it can crop back up once you've, you know, you're short of cash, having put down a deposit and moving fees and buying new furniture and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's risk on the way in and possibly on the way out as well when it comes to buying a home. Thanks so much to Gareth and Katie, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. Now, while buy now, pay later firms remain unregulated, meaning you can't take complaints to the financial ombudsman, if you do use one and something goes wrong, we've created a form to make sure your complaint still gets heard. And you can find this form at witch.co.uk forward slash BNPL. Now, if you haven't already, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. They're so helpful to get our podcast heard. And if you have a question on anything we've mentioned, pop it in here and we can try and address it in a later episode. Plus, you can also find us on social media at Witch Money and for more money news and advice online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded by Rob Lilly, produced and edited by Rob with additional support from Ian Aikman.